We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Got a loaded week. Uh, the bonus episode that Jeremy and I and Andrew did yesterday. Um, but we're still coming at you with our uh, normal rest of the schedule. So uh, hitting you up with a, with a midweek episode here featuring Richie Randall. Uh, just realized the coincidence of the last name. Uh, Richie Randall covers the <laughs> I don't know how I didn't realize that. <laughs> She covers the Charlotte Hornets, uh, the BuzzBeat pod. He also has BuzzBeat Plus, which is a great Substack newsletter. Um, and we brought him on to shockingly talk possible trade. Um, and also just to kind of get a feel of the Hornets, which as we, you know, I won't spoil the convo, but 
you know, in, in some ways in a bit of a similar situation to the Knicks heading into this year. We've talked about LaMelo. I thought he said some very interesting things about um, where he is with that organization and the fears that maybe some of the folks down in Charlotte already have with LaMelo Ball going into his third year. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I love talking to people who are just very, they're all over the the um, pulse of their team. And Richie certainly is with the Hornets. Um, and we got a great Great fake trade or two to end this episode. I'll say that as well. All right. Uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Richie Randall. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast. First time guest. Very, very happy to have him on. Um, member of the Blue Wire podcast fa- family, as well as a fellow Substacker. Um, the uh, the Substack is called BuzzBeat Plus, And of course, the pod, um, the BuzzBeat pod on again. Um, the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Richie Randall, what's going on, my man? How are you? Not much, not much. Just uh, um, enjoying life. I, I'm a teacher, so we just got school started the other week. Uh, so it's been a hectic uh, about 10 days here. Uh, I'm enjoying my class so far, but uh, yeah, ready to talk some some Knicks, some Hornets, uh, and anything in between. I went back today. I am also a teacher. <laughs> what grade? Uh, this year, I'm teaching... 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Wow. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I, I'm, what, are you, I'm a, what do you teach? I'm a third grade teacher. So I teach all oh, the stuff. Sh- well, yeah, you probably, you probably think the same for me. So but. yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> everybody has their, everybody has their, uh, their sweet spot. Um, I found mine and it sounds like you found yours. Yeah. Um, well, you know, teaching is not for everybody and uh, rooting for mediocre basketball teams is also not for everybody, but we do what we have to do here. Um, let's start there. So the Hornets, uh, I feel like from afar, they have been dinged with the, uh, were, were you guys awake for, for this, for this offseason um, label? Is, do you think that that's fair? And if it's not fair, do you want to, I guess, you know, tell us why? Yeah, I mean, I think the Hornets are probably one of the least active teams here uh, in the offseason, and and not much has happened other than maybe the re-signing of Cody Martin. Uh, But I will say that the Miles Bridges situation is really the biggest hangup. And, uh, you know, the Hornets were hoping that they could get this guy signed to a long year, you know, extension, a deal. Uh, But because of that whole situation, they're kind of waiting on that legal process to play out. Um, I guess he's technically still on the roster with that qualifying offer at the restricted free agent. So, you know, anyone could, you know, put out an offer sheet for him to sign, but no one's going to do that until that plays out. I don't think that when it's all said and done, that he'll be back with the Hornets. I just think it's a a due process thing. I think the league and Charlotte are going to have to wait things out uh, before you know, any kind of suspensions come out. Uh, but considering all the evidence that we saw, I personally don't think he'll be on the basketball court anytime soon, uh, if at all. So it, it sucks that that's the way that it happened because they were banking on him considering how much he improved last season over the past couple of seasons. Um, he was a key piece, like right behind LaMelo Ball. So I think because of that situation and because he's still on the books, Technically speaking, they have not been very active. Uh, and until that is sorted out, uh, I guess they'll have to wait to make some trades. But obviously, they were not very active uh, in free agency either. So I don't want to give them a pass by any means. Uh, but I, I do kind of understand uh, from that point of view in, in terms of letting that situation play out. Yeah, I mean, I 
it's tough because I mean the timing of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was essentially right on like almost literally on the eve of free agency, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. So I mean, you kind of answered this, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway, just to make sure we're, uh, everybody's on the same page. It, is it is it fair to say, or rather, do you think that like they've been waiting for the legal process to play out before doing their next move, or or doing something, doing a move, or do you think it's just that there is no obvious move that they or or worthy move that they have deemed like, okay, this is a good pivot for us or somewhere in between. Yeah. It's probably somewhere in between. I I think there probably are some moves out there that they can make that don't involve miles bridges uh, that they could kind of use to improve their team. Uh, But I I do think it's kind of, I guess, silly to think that he will be back. Uh, But by the same token, they always say, you know, innocent until proven guilty, like, you know, let's keep him on the books type of thing. And I, I guess there's like a small hope that I think that they're thinking that he maybe will be kind of um, hit with a small suspension. But, you know, in the eyes of many people here in Charlotte, like they just, regardless of what the outcome is in the court system and, and then like the legal system and the NBA system, um, a lot of people just don't want to see him anywhere near the basketball court. Um, so there are moves that they can make. Um, you know, trading Miles Bridges is obviously going to be very difficult, but there's other outside moves that they can make. But I think free agency was really just, their their plans were to re-sign this guy, maybe get one or two other players, but I think free agency, you know, obviously it's at this point where there's like not anyone left. They, they still have to figure out their backup point guard situation. But mm-hmm. other, other than that, um, I mean, there's still some moves that they can make. I, I think a lot of people are frustrated uh, by the the lack of moves. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine another team having less transactions than the Hornets. <laughs> um, well, the Knicks didn't make a transaction uh, that a lot of people expected them to make last week. Uh, although they did, do their fair share of stuff earlier in the summer. And of course they did extend RJ Barrett, which we've been talking about a lot on the pod over the last week and everything that goes with that. Um, you know, obviously so the reason we had or having you on is to, is to try to talk a little bit of potential trade um, because I feel like since, and, and Andrew's here, he correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the, the first time we brought up the notion of like, Hey, maybe we could send Julius Randle to the Hornets um, was brought up before even the end of the season. Andrew, is that fair to say? Uh, to an extent, um, the we have an off-season series, Richie, called Cap or No Cap, where we go through a, a plan from our capologist and genius, Jeremy, um, every Sunday. And the very first episode that yes, of our episode one. plan That's right. was a consolidation of assets. And the first asset consolidation was sending Julius to Charlotte. And here we are three, four months later. And that is still an option we're exploring with you. If Leon Rose decides not to explore it, we'll at least explore it for him. Yeah. I mean, we, we have to, you know, we have to help him out. So at least we could do. And, you know, like I will, I will readily admit this and I have readily ad- admitted this, you know, on a couple other pods we've done of this nature where it's like, Hey, might your team be interested in Julius Randall? It's like the, t- the type of team that I've always thought might be interested is, I mean, so let's just be frank, the sort of team that the Knicks are, which is that kind of middle of the road, slightly below middle of the road team that it's like, Hey, let's take a risk. Um, the big difference being Charlotte, not traditionally a free agent destination, although you know, not like the Knicks have been a big free agent destination either um, over the long stretch of time that we have here. Uh, but like, that's the thinking, 
you know, and it's it's I, I don't I don't want to come off like, hey, take our crap. But it's it's almost like it might there be a level of interest in terms of the upside is worth it. Like just before we even talk about Randall specifically, like what do what do the Hornets want to like? What do they want to accomplish next year? Do you get the sense that there's like a two, three, four, five year plan there? Is it very much year to year? Like where where are you guys at as a basketball team? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because a couple of years ago when they uh, acquired Gordon Hayward, uh, I, I thought it was a good acquisition, but it also kind of sped up the process of like their rebuild that they were going for. It was the same year that they drafted uh, LaMelo Ball and LaMelo Ball obviously had an awesome rookie season, had an awesome season uh, last season, uh, making it to the all-star game. Uh, so they, they've been kind of wearing like two shoes at the same time in terms of trying to rebuild and compete at the same time. And they've kind of fell right in the middle. And I do think the acquisition of Gordon Hayward kind of sped up the process and it's, it's been a blessing and just, you know, a blessing and a curse at the same time, because, you know, with Gordon Hayward, he kind of brings that steady presence to a team uh, when he's been healthy. Obviously he's only like average 50 games per season when he's been here in Charlotte. Uh, the team has been good. Like he, the team has been good when he's been on the court, but the curse being like his injuries have coincided with, like this end of season spiral in yeah. both, both seasons, right? Like they, they barely made it into the, uh, the play in. And then both of those play in games, they got pretty much blown out. And, uh, you know, they've done a fairly good job, uh, with developing their own players with PJ Washington and Cody Martin and, uh, Jalen McDaniels to a certain extent and obviously LaMelo ball. Um, but it just feels like they have been just enough competitive to get into the playoffs and the play in, but obviously not good enough to make it, you know, to a first round, second round matchup. So it's hard to really tell what their plan is. And then obviously this Miles Bridges situation, which I've talked about, um, kind of throws a wrench uh, in, in the plans and stuff like that. So I think their plan, hopefully, uh, knowing what their situation is, is to almost like to kind of take a gap year. Um, okay. slow things down a little bit, see what they can do this year. Um, it probably is not going to result in a playoff appearance and then go from there because, uh, LaMelo ball is due for an extension, I think next off season. So it's funny. Andrew had a very nice rant on a pod that we recorded last night in which he was basically like, you know, speaking to Nick's management, cause I'm sure they listened to this, uh, you know, <laughs> religiously, he's like, stop with the half measures. And hearing you say the plan is to take a gap year, I feel like half measures gap year. It's like, you know, six of one, half dozen the other. Um, but at the same time, like where the Knicks are at, like the, there's not really a whole lot of choice right now. They didn't get Donovan Mitchell. They have, you know, a bunch of young players, but at the same, you know, they're not bad enough to, to engage in a tank unless something goes really wrong. It feels like you guys are kind of in the same boat, especially since, and like, I don't know if you think about this a lot too, there's such a, it's, and now with Utah joining the, the the tankers, there is like a very clear group at the bottom who's gunning for that, you know, the, the Victor Wimignana spot that it's like, you know, if you're a team like the Hornets or a team like the Knicks, it's like, well, what do you, like, is it worth, like, do you, how do you, how does one even try to get into that group? It's like, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I don't think there's any easy answers. Well, I also think too, like you, you've got to, um, prove to LaMelo that uh, this team is headed in the right direction. So you can't really just take a 180 all of a sudden. Is that uh, already a thing? 
proving to no, there are there are some people that just think that Lamelo is like got one foot out the door. I, I really? it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, people on Twitter that are Hornets fans, and there's a lot of people on Twitter that are Lamelo fans, and they only look out for Lamelo's best interest. and And you just hear all these rumors, and you just never know where they're coming from. Everyone says it's coming from Lamelo's camp, uh, but there is there is a part of this like building uh, this organization not to appease LaMelo, but also to kind of show them that they're headed in the right direction. So there is a little bit of that. I mean, I, we did uh, for shout out to our, our, all of our patrons who are listening, we did our trade value rankings and I had LaMelo. I'm just looking up right now. I had him 13th. I think I might've had him a little low. I remember when I was talking about him, like 13 feels a little low. He feels like he could be in the top 10, just in terms not 13th best player in the league, but like in terms of like, Asset, you know, age, contract, situation, the whole thing. So, like, I, I get it, but would like Michael Jordan? Like, you got to figure he's gonna, he's not gonna like if the if there is an inkling that Lamelo wants out, he's gonna try to do everything to appease him, right? Yeah, I would think so. But again, it's so hard to tell because all these like rumors and and talks that are going on, you just never know who they're coming from. And obviously, like LaMelo, uh, you kind of associate him with the West Coast and stuff like that. And everyone says, oh, he's going to the Lakers, going to L.A. type of deal. I just it's hard for me to believe. And obviously, the Hornets do have kind of a leg up and in terms of being able to offer him that rookie extension in 2020. So, um, yeah, I just don't think that they can take a, a complete 180 and just get off of everything type of deal. So they. They, they do have to show some kind of promise moving forward. Okay. So good transition. Um, what's the starting lineup right now? So let's, as you've said a few times, let's assume that miles bridges is, is not going to be part of the basketball team. Like what, what's the starting five? Uh, Lamella point guard. Is that, a, is that a shock? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, who, who is the backup point guard right now? I don't even know. The Hornets don't have a backup point guard. Uh, they play. Well, that's Tier- that's a problem. They played Terry Rozier as some backup point guard minutes, which he did. He was all right with, um, but it, you know, Ishmith, they played backup point guard last year. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but they, they, they technically don't have a backup point guard right now. Clyde anyway, Frazier's so. favorite player of all time, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Did oh, know that. you really? Oh no. man. Our, yeah. What Clyde Frazier every time, no matter what team he's on, when the Knicks are playing, whatever team Ishmith happens to, you know, be employed by that year. He cannot stop talking about Ishmith and how much he loves Ishmith. So, yeah, it would be LaMelo at the one, uh, Rozier at the two, uh, Hayward, obviously, if he's healthy, which, you know, you can bank on being, you know, healthy at the beginning of the season uh, at the three. And then you've got PJ Washington at the four. And I would say Mason Plumley at the five. Uh, they drafted Mark Williams, but I, I just don't think that Mark Williams is going to be ready uh, to start day one. So, yeah, I, I think the the starting five is pretty much, I wouldn't say set in stone, but I think it's a pretty much a consensus among among people how it's going to start at least. So, and and PJ Washington is a guy who um, is extension eligible this summer. As uh, have there been any discussions as far as extending him or no? Not not that I've heard of. But uh, okay, I think I think now that you know Miles Bridges could be out of the picture, like this is just like the next guy up that I feel like is is a young player, versatile, two way big that has shown. Like he can guard multiple positions. I think he's got a lot of promise. Obviously, he's not proven it as much as as Bridges, but he's definitely shown that ability on both sides of the court. But yeah, it, it, I think it would be smart to kind of extend this guy this offseason instead of waiting for restricted free agency uh, next offseason. 
and yeah, like I, and we should say guys in of Miles Bridges caliber, excuse me, uh, guys of PJ Washington's caliber don't typically get extended until you're getting much closer to the start of the season and the the extension deadline. I mean, there's always exceptions like Kelvin Johnson, but even I would I wouldn't expect PJ to be quite in Kelvin's territory in terms of annual money. Um, so that's interesting to me because like I've looked at PJ before because I I'm always trying to construct fake trades and and this and that and if is it is it is there a comfort level do you think there with playing him at the four with having him play 30 minutes at the four and I because I know he spent a lot of time at the five also his last two years especially yeah he's play, he's definitely played a combination of both the four and the five I think where he excels offensively is probably more better suited to be at the five just because he can be that pick and pop big that can kind of stretch the defense and pull away that center from uh, the rim and, and kind of attack him off the dribble. I think sometimes, you know, when he's on defense, he's very versatile. Like you see him guard guards and wings out on the perimeter uh, for extended periods of time. uh, But he gets in trouble a little bit when he has to go and, and bang and bruise with some of the bigger players. I actually would like to see him play more at the four than the five, just use him in, you know, in the situational, like, end of game uh, type of situation, small ball five type of things where they can be very versatile on both ends of the court. But uh, I think in his first season, um, he almost played too much at the five. And I just feel like they need to dial that back a little bit. And I think obviously with, you know, the acquisition, the drafting of Mark Williams, they've got Kai Jones waiting in the wings as well. Uh, Maybe they can kind of, pinpoint uh, PJ Washington at the four a little bit more. And now that miles <laughs> is out of the equation, there's more minutes at the four to be had. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Smooth Sack Summer is slowly coming to an end, fellas. If you haven't been scaping for the summer sun, it's not too late to sweep your sack of those pesky pubes. As summer comes to an end, keep your boys clean and fresh just in time for fresh ball fall. 
The leader in below-the-waist grooming is here to make sure your pubes feel smoother than a beach ball and smell fresher than your girl's pumpkin spice. Start the new season the right way and join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to keep your sweet, sweet sack in check. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear Hair and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold all your goodies. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RP motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Whether you're hopping in the shower or hitting up the lake, this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Now that your sack is smooth, lather up with Manscaped's liquid formulations to get that fresh ball fall freshness with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to stay cool in the heat. Their soothing aloe vera formula is the best in the business for below-the-waist freshness, and the clear drying formula keeps your sack looking and smelling good. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. That'll bring your comfort to another level at home and on the go. Keep yourself groomed from head to toe with their Shears 2.0, a luxury nail grooming kit. This kit includes stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. With the performance package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0. Don't hesitate. Get 20% off and free shipping with code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. Keep things smooth and fresh as we say sayonara to smooth sack summer and hello to fresh ball fall. So I've, I think I've, I've put it off long enough. Um, so Julius Randall, he's, he's a player, basketball player, currently plays for the New York Knicks. Um, I made my case uh, on our most recent pod why the Knicks need to basically do everything they can to try to offload his contract. I, my understanding is they are at least talking to teams. Um, I heard something today that I'm pretty sure I believe that Charlotte is one of those teams. Um, you know, makes sense on, uh, on some levels. Do you think that there was a world where the Hornets might be interested in Julius Randle? Well, I'll first give my personal thoughts on, on Randall. And I've heard because I have. <laughs> I've heard a couple of your pods, John. I know how you feel about him. You you are not the highest on on Randall, um, but um, I'm I'm pretty lukewarm on him uh, in, in terms of a couple of things. Just playing for the Hornets, fit wise, but I'm just not entirely sold on him as a player. Uh, the system that the Hornets do run is predicated on ball movement. You know, quick passes. They don't want the ball to stick too much. I think that like. You know, a couple of years ago when he was shooting the ball like lights out from deep, I think that is where he can be unlocked a little bit more as like an underrated passer. But I feel like he does have some ball stopper tendencies uh, in my view. I haven't watched him as much as you, but, you know, be happy about that. 
Yeah, I think for the most part, <laughs> I think for the most part, like that, you know, two seasons ago when he shot from behind the behind the arc on a pretty well clip, I think that was more of an anomaly more than anything. I think you, when you look at his career from the three point range, it's kind of like that low thirties range. So if I could guarantee that he would shoot as well as he did two seasons ago, maybe I'd consider it more. Uh, but you know, I do like his handle, his rebounding on both ends. I like his size. Uh, being able to get to the rim through bully ball. Like those are some things that I do, you know, and like from his game, but you know, you really can't call him anything, you know, other than like uh, average defender, below average defender. And also what does he do when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? Well, that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I don't know what, if you can speak to that because I can't because there's, there's no good answer. Okay. Okay. Cause that, that, that to me just doesn't fit within the system, what the Hornets are doing. I know that Borrego is gone at this point, but I, I just feel like that offense, even though they've transitioned over to Clifford, that that's going to be a mainstay with this offense in terms of just moving the ball, moving the ball. And yeah, go ahead. You know, and, and I just, cause you just said Clifford, like, is there another head coach in the league that Tom Thibodeau is closer with than Steve Clifford? Um, so I'm sure those two, would have a conversation, you know, if, if this was a thing that might happen. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question real quick with uh, Randall. Cause obviously the contract is obviously unappealing to um, having four more seasons. Is it more about the contract or is it more about the player for you or both? I mean, it's probably both, but if you had I, to. Choose. So it's, it's interesting because the we've, and we've talked a lot about it this summer about how there is like, there is a world at some point in which the Knicks would do well to have cap space. That world as of now, especially with the RJ extension is probably not going to be here until 2025, um, which is three years away. So yes, technically Randall is still, or he actually has a player option for, for that year. I'm not really worried about that. To me, it's about player. And honestly, I, again, I, people call me a hater for going this road, but I don't know how you watch last season and go any other direction. It's about the person and the personality and the fit in a locker room that just seems to have a lot of positivity um, otherwise. And he was very much to, from an outsider's perspective. And I'm obviously I'm not in the locker room, you know, kind of a black cloud um, over a lot of otherwise, you know, good stuff. And it was other bad stuff going on last year. The Thibodeau, Thibodeau was, did not do a good job managing the personalities in the locker room. He did a terrible job with the Kemba thing off the bat because he didn't want Kemba. Um, yeah, uh, it's just, I think the two sides need to move in a different direction. But it really, I mean, it, it starts and ends with the basketball fit and everything you just said makes total sense. I guess the one thing, if I'm the Hornets, that I think I, I would at least, I could talk myself into is I do think there is a world where he is like a 35, 36, 37% three point shooter on a consistent basis. Um, Cause I know last year it was not, it was not that, but I think the real number is it's not 41, but right. I think it's somewhere in between. So if, and it, but at the same time, he does really kind of need to be the five on offense. And then it turns to like, okay, well, great. You got PJ Washington, PJ Washington could, can shoot because like, even though Randall can shoot, we all know where he wants to be. He wants to be down doing his thing, you know, 16, 18 feet from the basket and, and being able to maneuver from there to the hoop. But then you have your defensive questions and it's like, how much, how much does the, would the Hornets trust PJ at the five defensively? And that's, I guess that's a, that's a question for you. 
Yeah, like I kind of spoke to it earlier. Uh, I guess it just depends on the five. Like if it, the five is not so much a bruiser, because PJ is not necessarily like a rim protector. Like he's no he's no Mitchell Robinson, right? Like yeah. I mean, not many people are, but um, he'll get his occasional weak side block. But he's more of just like a competitive guy that's out on the perimeter that can defend down low on the occasion. Uh, but he's not you know erasing shots at a high level. So yeah. that could be an issue if you pair those two together. I just think from the Hornets' point of view, I, I do have a couple of fake trades here that I, I would throw your way. But I please. Think yeah, yeah, but I think just think from the Hornets' perspective, it's it's hard to justify trying to trade for Randall because I think what the Hornets are trying to do, again, they're trying to wear two shoes at the same time, but they're they're also trying to get off long-term money. And they already have Hayward for this year and next year, and they've got Rozier for four more years. So I do have a trade, John, uh, but this doesn't necessarily get you guys off money. It doesn't necessarily get us off of money, but it could be the player for player swap that you could be interested in if you think it's a personality thing or if you think it's something within the locker room. So Rozier's got four more years left at $96 million total. Oh boy. Well, Randall is four years. What is it? Close to 120, something like that. Uh, it's so the uh, after the league year turned, his likely incentives transformed okay. into unlikely because the Knicks <laughs> didn't make the. <laughs> it's like magic because um, the Knicks didn't make the playoffs, and Julius Randall. I, I forget what the other one was. I think it's All Star or All NBA or so, so whatever. Something he did not qualify for. So as of now, it is four for uh, I believe 106. So it's yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're saving $10 million if you want to look at it that way over the course. So I don't know how important that is to New York. Uh, it could be somewhat important to Charlotte. So let's say Charlotte throws you Julius, I'm sorry, throws you Terry Rozier. And then this 2023 second round pick from Utah, which is obviously just going to be a late first, right? So you get, you get Rozier and a late first, AKA early second from Utah. You send Julius Randall to Charlotte. And then like a lottery protected first round pick. And the only reason I'm saying that the Charlotte would get the better asset of like the trade in terms of the draft pick is because I think Rozier is the better player today. And obviously his contract is less annually, but it doesn't necessarily solve Hornets getting off long-term money. And it doesn't necessarily get, you know, the Knicks off long-term money. Does that even kind of whet your appetite at all? Getting Rozier? Listen, you could trade me a bag of old shoes and it whets my appetite. Um, yes. No, it, <laughs> I'm killing Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Andrew. Um, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> anything you want to chime in? No, Andrew's just going to laugh in the background. <laughs> Shout out to our YouTube channel. Um, oh, watch this. Um, I, mean, I, I would do I, I would it would absolutely interest me and I, I just to be completely transparent, I have a newsletter coming out on the same day that this pod will air and I, I'm and I, oh, I even said it on the pod. Like I would give up a lot of a uh, one of the protective picks that they have for to 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 get off Randall. I think Rozier. Um, I mean, is there? I mean, at, at this point, I feel like Rozier has been through the take cycle so many times. He's just he's just kind of a good player at this point. Like I, I feel like there was maybe not last season, or maybe it was one of the last two seasons. Wasn't there some like very 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 fringe? All-star buzz around Rosier. 
I, I think it might've been two seasons ago, but like it was last two years. Year, okay. Last year. He, I mean, there, there were points during last season where he was like up and down, but like, he's still a great movement shooter creates gravity just coming off screens. I feel like him and Brunson can pair well together with Brunson kind of work in the middle of the court and drawing attention in that way. And then obviously Rozier working on the outside. So again, it's not something that like, I'd be like totally in love with because the Hornets would not be getting off money. They'd actually be, you know, getting money, but they could gain a first round pick in that situation. So I, you know, I, do you think that Rozier, I mean, I I think you, I think I know the answer. Do you think Rozier is the better player than Julius Randle? (sighs) It's very different players, obviously. They are. And it's like, and I think that's why for those, there's a lot of people in New York who think that I'm crazy. And I don't think that they're necessarily crazy because that's the thing is like Julius Randle can do some things with the ball in his hands that like are kind of, you know, when you, when he's not in the space that he was last year, like he does have real on ball skills that Terry Rozier has never showed in his career. And I think there is also a track record of Julius Randle, again, when he's playing the five on offense or when he's alongside a stretch five on offense, either one, doesn't matter. Six to one half doesn't the other. Um, So like, I don't, he's certainly the better fit for the Knicks and on the Knicks, he would look like the better player and be the the more useful player. Um, And like, I know that there's been a lot of talk over the years about how good is Terry Rozier on defense? Because there were some years for a while there. It was like, oh, he's really good. And then it was like, he's overrated. And now it's kind of like, but he competes, right? On on the defensive end. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the more underrated aspects of him on the defensive side of the court is not necessarily the on-ball stuff, but he has a knack for kind of shooting the gap as an off-ball. That's like RJ. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's something that I think gets overlooked because I think a lot of people are down on Rozier on the defensive side of the court and they just view this guy as a as a shooter, as a bomber from deep. Uh, but that is something that you can kind of point to if you watch the Hornets enough to know that he's actually fairly decent with that. So, but yeah, overall defensively, I wouldn't call him like a net positive, but he does compete, like you said, John. Yeah, and I think that's the I don't want to I don't want to tag Evan Fournier with the he doesn't compete label because I I do think he he like tries he's just there were just a, so many games last season where you would just be watching and you you it didn't matter what the numbers were after the game you would just as you'd watch the game and you'd be like this person is not he's taking so much more off the table than he's putting on the table I'm just looking at uh last year uh Evan Fournier effective field goal percentage 54.1 um, Terry Rozier effective field goal percentage fifty three point nine. So so not terribly dissimilar offensive players. I don't think. Obviously, I think Rozier on the ball is a little bit gives you a little bit more juice. Um, whereas Fournier, I mean Fournier, I've, I've said it a bunch of times. He had more threes than anybody in the league after January first. So, but yeah, I think I think Tibbs would. I mean, I think the Knicks would lo- would do something like this. Um, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know if I'm like overly sold on it just for the fact that I'm not just not overly sold on Julius Randle. Um, what I'm wondering, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like, now you got me really think. So the, the the Spurs are the one team other than the Pacers are the one team, one of two teams in the league left that has cap space. And they also happen to have your protected pick. Um, is there a th- some kind of three team construction where the Spurs are like, I don't know. They're taking on maybe they're taking on Fournier and they're giving up that pick and sending that pick to Charlotte, but maybe we're sending them 
a better draft asset, but I, I don't know what draft asset that would be. I don't know. Or maybe we're sending them a young player. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing, but yeah, I'm just freaking trades are so messy. So messy. They are. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, it's something that uh, Andrew kind of brought up too, is just like, um, you know, with Rozier being a shooting guard, uh, like how does he fit? How would he fit within like the rotation of Brunson and um, RJ Barrett too? Like, obviously would he come off the bench? Could you play? Oh, I, I think play he- the three at one, two, three. I, my guess is that I, you know what, that's a, that's a really good question. It, it really does. I think a lot of it depends on, cause I think they could, I bet you they'd try to sell him on, on making a run at like six man of the year. Um, coming off the bench and, and starting Grimes is a little bit more of, cause Grimes is less of an on ball guy. I think Grimes gives you a lot of value on the defensive end, obviously. And then, um, off the ball as a, as a shooter. Um, John, can I jump in? Yeah, please. You want to get nuts? Yes, let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. So you talked about the the Knicks uh, depth at guard, Richie. Um, well, you also said that the Hornets need a backup point guard. And we happen to have a guy that finished third in sixth man of the year that uh, Tim Tom Thibodeau obviously swears by in Derrick Rose. Um, there was also, as John mentioned, a guy that made more threes than anybody else in the sport after the... Uh, uh, there was a turn of the year, John. So from January 1st, January, on, I see where you're going with this. You're so going Rozier and Hayward? Rozier and Hayward for wow. Derek Rose, Fournier, and Randall. It matches on Trade Machine. And then you guys, there's your whole offseason. You went from not doing much to now depth to show LaMelo, hey, we're committed to this for the next couple of years. And then it's not even that much long-term money because Rozier and Randall is an exact four years for four years. Derrick Rose is an expiring contract because it's a team option. And Fournier becomes an expiring contract next summer. So you guys actually trade. You guys actually say you might come out even, but in terms of next year, you're saving some money next year because you're saying Evan Fournier. How many more years does Evan Fournier have? It's two plus one. It's two years plus a team option. option. So next summer. Uh It's that that's the genius thing about the Knicks have had done have done some things in the last couple of years that are questionable. What they haven't done questionably is how they've structured all of their contracts. They're either in descending order, so they get cheaper as the years go by, or the last year is always a team option. So like Randall's the only one that has a player option in his last year, but Evan Fournier is a three plus one, but Derrick Rose is a two plus one. That's why when they made the trade with Detroit on uh, for Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel. Those were two-year contracts, but it's one plus a team option. So they end up being expiring contracts that they sent out. Interesting. Yeah, that's deceiving when you look at it on the the, the trade machine and just mm-hmm. see like two years. I Obviously, the team options are nice to have with, Ro, uh, with Rose and Fournier. I've always been a fan of Rose. Like just like in the quick spurts that he comes on off the bench, like getting to the rim and stuff like that. Like there's been something that, you know, just a story as well. Like, you know, obviously overcoming those injuries and still being somewhat of a productive player and filling that need as the backup point guard position. I do think that, you know, obviously it's a three for two trade, which Hornets do have a spot for one more player. That's probably why they're waiting on their backup point guard. Who knows where they're going with that direction? Uh, So that would solve this. That's interesting. I, I just think, well, I guess, I guess Hayward's health would really be like the, the swing piece here because if you can't guarantee anything, but if Hayward was healthy, obviously you'd be getting a very productive player out of him. 
And then Rose again, again, Rosier and, and Randall, like you mentioned, like it's the four years for four years. So it, it's that, that is, that is kind of like a even wash there. I, I, I just wonder with the Evan Fournier thing, I, I know you said it's a, it's a team option, but I just wonder if like the Hornets could maybe get like, maybe get like a second round pick out of this. But other than that, that, that seems pretty fair. I, I wasn't does. even factoring in the, the pick compensation. Okay. I would probably have to factor in. I was just trying to make sure the money matches up the other, three, you know, the other, the other possibility here, and it, the the money difference would be significant. Is there's so there's basically there's three players the Knicks are trying to unload. One of them is Julius Randle. Um, I think Evan Evan Fournier. I don't want to say they're trying to unload Evan Fournier, but Evan Fournier is the salary that they were going to send out in the Mitchell deal. So I would assume, you know, sending him out is still something that they wouldn't <laughs> mind doing. And then there's Cam Reddish, uh, who is a guy who's just looking for some court time uh, to you know, become the star that he thinks he is. And uh, as people are slowly starting to realize now, uh, there's no spot in the rotation for him here in New York. Um, I don't necessarily know if there would be a rotation spot for him in Charlotte or any kind of a bigger role, but like, do you think he's a, a player that they might take a chance on as like kind of a young, you know, guy who still has some upside theoretically? Yeah, there, there's a couple of players kind of down your your roster a little bit that I've always kind of pinpointed, and that's always been Miles McBride and Cam Reddish. Um, I'm not sure how willing you guys are to to give up Miles McBride and you know good defender, but yeah, Cam Reddish definitely thinks highly of himself, and I think the Hornets, especially under Steve Clifford, could always use someone that is. Um, a force on the defensive side of the court. He's really never developed an offensive game at this point uh, in his career. So I know that he's kind of like, does he just have one year left on his contract? So it'd almost be like a, uh, a year in which he just kind of test himself here in Charlotte and, and see how well he can play. I he's in PJ's class. So yeah, same, okay. same thing. Yeah. Okay. So I definitely think that the Hornets would value a player like him, just be, especially Clifford, just because of the things that he brings on the defensive side of the court. Obviously it does not solve the backup point guard issue, but maybe some kind of trade with Cam Reddish and Derek Rose. What is that? 5.9 million. And I mean, the, the money for just to so the money for Hayward and Rozier for Randall, um, Rose and Reddish. Uh, I'm, I don't have a I'm doing a calculator that I think that works because the thing about um, Randall is his outgoing salary is uh, a little bit less than four million dollars more. Or excuse me, his incoming salary is a little bit less than $4 million more than his outgoing salary because he has a trade kicker. Now he could obviously waive his trade kicker, you know, but the Knicks are paying that, but it does have to go on the cap for the team that is bringing him in. So I, I am fairly certain the money would work on that. And I yeah. bet again, I, I look, I know Tom Thibodeau would not love the idea of sending out Derek Rose. Um, but man, I think Talk about a trade that would answer a lot of questions for the Knicks. Um, I think that would do it. I think I think I like that trade better than the one with Fournier in it. Um, Cam Reddish, Randall, Rose for Hayward and Rosie. And Hayward also has a trade kicker, by the way, uh, John. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so does that just like even out in the wash there? So, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely would would be considered or that kind of be intriguing just to see what Cam Reddish can do here because he doesn't like you said he doesn't have a role. He's stuck behind so many players uh, on the Knicks in terms of that guard and wing position and Derek Rose, like I said, keeps filling that spot as a, a backup secondary ball handler. And here's the deal. Like Rozier last year, like I said, he did play some spot minutes as at the point guard. So he can be somewhat of a primary ball well, handler. He just gets in the habit sometimes of trying to 
trying to score and instead of trying to facilitate. So it just depends on the system that he's put in and trying to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. So the reason that there is a large contingent of the fan base, and I just want to say, I don't, I don't think that they're nuts at all who want Derek Rose on a different team or just don't want Derek Rose on this team is because they want Emmanuel quickly to get those backup point guard reps. Um, because again, after the missile trade didn't go down, it's like, it's like the conversation we were having a few minutes ago with like, what the hell are we doing here? Well, at the very least, let's make sure that we give all of the young players on this team a chance to show whatever their ceilings might be this season. Like, treat this season as a gap year. And I think giving Emmanuel quickly a lot of, a lot of reps as the backup point guard. So that's, I think would be part of the incentive. I th- I know it's an incentive for a lot of fans. I don't believe it is an incentive for the organization. I'd love to be proven wrong on that. Um, but yeah, maybe it's funny when you brought up Rozier and I don't, I don't think I considered him. I thought the Hornets would consider him. Not that I thought they consider him an asset, but th- that they would be l- more hesitant to, to get rid of him. Yeah, I think the hardest part with trades with Hornets is that they have Rozier and Hayward who are on these like absurd contracts of like 25 plus million dollars a year. And then they've got a couple of expirings with Ubre and Plumley who are great fillers for any type of trade. Uh, and and they're, they're pretty much productive players. You know, they're average players. And then they got a bunch of young players that it would just take a lot to add up together to kind of match the salary. So when you said trades for Randall, my initial thought was Rosier just because the money's match. But I think I think Mitch Kupchak really does value uh, Terry Rosier within the organization. And he's one of those guys that he was extension eligible, but it it didn't need to be done before the beginning of the season, but they went ahead and did it anyway. They could have let the season played out, see how he did um, and go from there. But they were just so trusting of this guy. And I think that he's truly bought in to being a Charlotte Hornet. I think he's enjoyed kind of having a little bit more of that spotlight uh, versus maybe if he was still on Boston or whatever. Yeah. So I don't think they're necessarily like, ready to get rid of him. I, I do think that he was a little bit overpaid uh, because I do think, not that he's a one-trick pony, but I, I do think he's limited in what he can do. Um, but it was, it was merely just the contract matching purposes that kind of drew my attention to him. Makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's... I'm happy Andrew brought up the Rose possibility because it's, it's not something I think that we've, we've thought of a lot. I think... When most people think like, okay, Charlie needs a backup point guard, you figure does Kemba make his way back there? Is that something that's been talked about at all? I'm just curious. It is. It is. Obviously, I think he's still with Detroit. So technically he's technically, still not, yeah. it's not bought, been bought out yet. Um, I think it's down, I think it's down to Kemba, and I think it's down to unless there's a trade. I think it's down to Kemba or uh, Isaiah Thomas, who played obviously with the team uh last year. I think that continuity uh that's my personal preference. If there's not a trade to be made is Isaiah Thomas. I get that he's very undersized. I mean, so is Kimba. Uh, Kimba would be the awesome story uh, coming back to Charlotte. I think he's going to retire a Hornet, but not necessarily. It doesn't have to be brought back this year if Isaiah Thomas is the better option, which in my view, I think Isaiah Thomas, just for the on-court purposes, I think a lot of people respect him inside the locker room. PJ Washington grew really close to Isaiah Thomas. like He always talked about how 
you know, that that was his bet, even though they're just different positions. So that probably says a lot about IT and, and just kind of the effect that he had on the team. And you could see him, you know, standing up on the sidelines when he wasn't in the game and just kind of barking out orders and organizing the team like he bought into being that type of guy. So that's my preference. That's my preference. But I, I do like the storyline of Kemba coming back if he were to ever be bought out by Detroit. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I mean, I there were like Kemba got a raw deal here. Yeah. Um there were a lot of nights where not a lot of nights. There were nights where Kemba you you know, obviously it wasn't only the the stretch where he had where he won um Eastern Conference player of the week, but like there were some other games sprinkled throughout the year where it wouldn't be for a whole game, but it would be for a quarter or two quarters. It was like, "Man, this is the Kemba Walker we remember." Um, but I don't know if it's just that he couldn't muster it up physically to do it on a more consistent basis, or, uh, there were just in internal dynamics that, uh, you know, he was not really given more of an opportunity, whatever it is. Um, I feel bad for the way it went down for him here. Cause he seems like a great guy. His, his mom lives two doors down from my parents. So I'm, I'm hoping oh, wow. to kind of drive over there one day and just say, Hey, what's up with Detroit? Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, I think that's it. I don't. I don't know that there's anything else. Um, I guess we just start counting down the days until Lamelo watch, right? Because like it's fun. Because like our one of our local beat guys brought brought up Lamelo's name um, recently as like you know because again it's always there's always going to be a segment of people wondering where's the next star the next you're going to go chase after and like you know I think the rumblings that are down there will make their way up here, but yeah. <laughs> We'll see. I, I didn't mean to break anything. It's it's not necessarily like true by any means, but they're just oh, I, yeah. There's this yeah. like section of Twitter that's not necessarily Hornets fans, but they're Lamelo fans, and they're always wanting him to be in the best situation possible. And I think some of them don't see it here in Charlotte. Ah, uh, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely oh, place. Yes. Yeah. Um. And it's so funny because like I, last thing I will we'll get out of here like. You guys were were brought up in the Mitchell talks, you know, as a possible team. And the thing that I immediately pointed out was like because of that protected pick that you guys traded away um, to us on draft night, it like you didn't quite have the access to the full access to the amount of you know draft equity that I think it would have would have made it a really competitive offer. Um, I I wonder if. That was for Kai Jones, right? If I recall correctly. Yeah, I think a couple of years ago. Yes, you were correct. I, I, so. I wonder if there's any buyer's remorse <laughs> with 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 that with that trade. Yeah, they did. They definitely had some faith in him. I, I think he's uh, he's 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 a guy that just started playing basketball like five or six years ago. So he's got a lot a lot of ways to go. Um, but he's a freaky athlete. Like he can he can get off the floor. Like I think he's you know he can jump real high real quick. I don't know if it's like Olympic. You know measurements, but he, he is, he is getting off the floor quick. He's just got to develop some of those skills, but uh, yeah, it's crazy that they traded up to get him uh, in that first round a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, this was fun. Uh, thank you for, for hearing me out on my, my pleas uh, and for coming up with a really good fake trade. I, I I'm down for that. I'm going to think, spend some more time thinking about this uh, before we get out of here. Can you let everybody listening know uh, where to find you and, and find your stuff? Very good. Yeah. Like he mentioned in the beginning, uh, I have a BuzzBeat Plus Substack, which you guys can subscribe to. Uh, it's mostly for uh, 
ad-free podcast, but I also put out the occasional Hornets piece. Uh, my, me and my co-host, uh, there's three of them. We kind of tackle like college prospects. So we've got a lot of different angles, kind of like what you guys do with cap or no cap and, and stuff like that. I really appreciate and, and admire what you guys do from afar. And I, I told you guys this, like, I have no affiliation to the Knicks, but you guys are one of the few team-oriented podcasts that I listen to just because of the quality and stuff. So we try to we try to emulate you guys as much as possible, but I, I don't know if we'll ever get there. But uh, yes, BuzzBeat Podcast, uh, we put out podcasts once or twice a week, not on a daily basis, uh, but definitely check us out. Hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, I certainly did. Uh, we are going to have one more, I believe, uh, scheduled for later this week. One more of these kind of Randall-centric um, trade podcasts. I mean, you could probably figure it out who, do you, who, who, who the team is going to be that we're going to be talking about because we've already done a Lakers one. We just did a Hornets one. Uh, I am pretty sure we did a Portland one way back when that that went by the wayside. Uh, there's only Here really comes one more. The sun. It's <laughs> only one more team left. Here That's comes a the sun. Although, you know what I was told today? I I was I was given a list of some teams that that allegedly the Knicks are talking to were about Randall. And um, wait, 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 what? You can't just like throw this on me and in, in like offhandedly. Go ahead, it's, continue. It's it's the usual. It's the usual suspects, and I don't I don't want to say the list because I I. If I was confident, I would I would okay. say it. But I was given a, you know, from someone who might know something. But I was told that there was a sleeper team. Oh, Shanghai. They they, <laughs> <laughs> they actually are doing Jeremy's idea. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy this podcast with Richie Randall. He's really good. Uh, so go follow him and go you know check out the newsletter and and obviously check out the pod. All of our all of our friends in the blue wire podcast family have great podcasts. Um, and it's always good to listen to what other people think about their teams, because especially like recently it's been eh, not doom and gloom here, but there's been a lot of emotions. Um, and so I think sometimes when you listen to other people talk about their teams, it could be uh, refreshing in a way. Uh, that's it. Thanks for checking out the episode. We'll be back with another one later this week. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.